Hi crew. Hello. Hi crew and welcome back to the Booacast. It is your host James Rankin. This week on the show, myself and Jamie sit down and talk all things movement mechanics. So if you're struggling with any niggles or injuries, or you're looking to squeeze that extra 10 or 15% out of your classes, this is the show for you. Just the one announcement before we get on to the show today, team, and that is that we have our hike this weekend. Coach Gillian is leading a hike down at Glendalough on Sunday morning, and we hope to see you all there. That's all for me today, team. Enjoy the show. Take two. Hi, Jamie. Hi, James. We're going to talk about some movement mechanics today. We are indeed. And differences between that and technique. Yeah, differentiating those two things, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's been on my mind about uh, maximizing people's performance in class. That's the main thing that's on my mind with the movement mechanics. So we can come to class every day, listen to coach, follow along, and we'll get most of the benefit of a class doing it that way. But if we can bring some extra intention to our training every day, little bits of mindset that can really um, take a results up another 10, 15%. Yeah. And I think the movement mechanics is a great place to focus. Um, so um, I think it might be an interesting topic just to differentiate that between that and technique and what it really means and then how, what you can do about it coming yeah. to class every day. So we're just trying to add an, another level of autonomy to people here so whenever they come to the gym they're getting the best results for themselves. Yeah. Coach led but without having to completely rely on us as well. Absolutely. I have always, like you see some uh, people come to the gym over the years who are, um, who have a sporting background and they have a, a really good way of applying themselves to a class and you see that that person versus somebody who doesn't have a background, you can see that the, the person who's a, who has the background can really make more progress yeah. because they have some basic principles already in the locker that they can apply to training. And it just turbo boosts the results a little bit. So um, I think movement mechanics is a great place to start because it's the big limiter for most people coming through the door. Yeah. Um, so uh, to, uh, to explain, I guess, what I mean by that... Um, it's our ability really to respond to the cues that our coach is giving us. Mm-hmm. So if I'm sure we've all had an experience where a coach is asking us to like straighten our elbows and we think our elbows are straight <laughs> and we're trying to achieve a straighter elbow and we just can't. Yeah. Um, maybe the bar is overhead, your grip is narrow. We're trying to do a few things at once like keep the spine neutral and braced and keep the bar over our body and straighten the elbows. And just the movement mechanics aren't there. They're not available to them. And at that point, it's no longer a bad technique. It's just you're maximizing what you've got. Mm -hmm. And if you can improve the movement mechanic, it will improve how well you can execute the technique in the long run. Mm -hmm. And um, I guess from a performance point of view, we see people make biggest leaps forward when their technique improves. It's much more than when their muscles get stronger or when their cardiovascular system gets more efficient. They just get better when their movement gets better. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think the limiting factor is how well we can express the movements. And there are things we can do about it. Yeah. You know, We can ignore it forever and it, it kind of <laughs> keeps us in that limited box of, well, that's as good as we're going to get. Yeah. Or we can say, well, that's actually, that's the base that I'd like to improve. And if the base improves, everything else gets better. So um, I think 
um, we have a few ways to do that and it'd be nice to dive into it like yeah. just giving people some easy tips on it Deadly. just before that then can we separate and differentiate between what we mean by technique and what we mean whenever we say mechanics mm. so whenever I think mechanics I think towards technique automatically yeah. so I'm picturing someone doing a perfect thruster and their hips go back their knees go out their chest stays up and mm. then they press the bar above their head yeah. but that's more the that's how we're, how well we're executing the movement. Right? Yeah. So if we um, if we take somebody who's say uh, a common one is a is a very tight or stiff ankle. Yeah. The ankle joint, um, and when we're trying to squat down, if we want to keep our torso pretty upright, and which is really advantageous for like a wall ball or a thruster, it just makes it less effort if our torso is more upright. Yeah. Um, it requires the shin needs to come forward in the ankle joint, so the shin needs to tip forward. If it can't, if it runs into a mechanical blockage there, um, it will force the hips back and then the torso gets more horizontal. And then just the effort out of the bottom of that thruster is just dialed right up. And when we get to the top of the the squat, the press is harder because the line of action hasn't been straight up. So, like, my thruster mechanics personally are terrible. When I do a 42 kilo thruster, it feels like a five rep max for me. <laughs> I have to dial up so much muscular tension that yeah. my heart rate goes through the roof. Um, I have to breath hold, or I have to really work hard not to breath hold. And I get really tired very quickly. And it's not much to do with my muscular strength yeah. or my cardiovascular system. It's much more that my position has been compromised. And like I've broken my right ankle three times Have in you? my previous sport, yeah, oh. and it's it's very fucked. So <laughs> when I squat, you'll see that my right shin can't really come forward; my left one can. So my my torso rotates a tiny bit, but it also compromises how much muscular effort I need to get into that position. Yeah. It's just way harder for me. Um, whereas I could go pretty close to max effort on a deadlift, and it wouldn't cost me as much. Yeah energy wise I can just move more freely in it and that's just my movement mechanics affecting how well I can perform until I deal with the right ankle that's going to be my limiter I can do thrusters till the cows come home they might improve a bit but they're always going to be hard for me and you know the more complex the movement um, usually the mechanics become a bigger and bigger factor yeah and then common issues then like mechanic limiters does it tend to be the same sort of joints does it tend to be the same sort of muscles or is it constantly varied yeah so I would say there are probably there are probably some common themes across the movements yeah Um, so usually if we start from the top down the overhead position is the most common one I'd say people are really limited overhead um, and we have to make all sorts of compromises to the movements to deal with it we might have to widen the grip which makes the arm strength not as effective for instance um, and it just means there's no resting position when we're doing overhead movements There's, it's always t- on tension yeah. um, it can compromise our spinal mechanics as a result if our spine gets compromised that starts having effects further down the chain yeah. so the overhead position is a big one I would say front rack is massive and uh, we've all experienced wrist pain in like high high volume work after front squats or cleans or um 
or thrusters. Do they tend to be interlinked, that overhead and the front rack? It's funny, I've seen a lot of people who have one or the other. It's like, It tends yeah. to be, yeah, a lot of people will have good front rack and then their overhead oh, is okay. struggling. And you would imagine that it's both the shoulder joint usually um, that um, is the issue, but uh, a lot of people have one or the other. Now, some people are just have both, right? Yeah. They're just tight all over the shoulder and arms. Um, but when you go into front rack, you've got that bent elbow and that really adds extra load to that position and makes it way more difficult for people to achieve. Um, so a lot of people can front rack with a straight arm, for instance, no problem. They can get into a position. But once we bend the elbow, that's where the issue comes oh, in. Oh, you mean like a sort of zombie? Yes, right. exactly. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, it's the bent elbow that adds extra stress to that. Yeah. It's another joint. Um, so those two are big. Then we're talking about front hip. Like if you're like we're just so unaware of how bad hip extension can be yeah. because we can express most of it most of the time. Um, but it's only when we get front hip fully open that we really feel like, oh my god, I'm like two inches taller. <laughs> I've got access to hip extension that I didn't think I could. Yeah. Um, hip flexion. So bottom of a squat, we all know that's a tough position. The bottom of a squat is sometimes it's hip mechanics, um, the hip flexion, but we add in another joint to that is the ankle, which yeah. is a really tight one for people. And that's often the root cause of the, the squat. Yeah. But it can be that yeah. hip flexion too. Um, and then the ankles, yeah. The ankle's a big one for people. And, you know, it's one of those ones where on our ankles all the time. You know, we get, they get so much work. They're carrying us all day. And if we're not doing something about it, um, for a lot of us, it just gets tighter and tighter over time. Yeah. And it's a slow one to unwind. So, um like it is all the joints, but we're thinking about it in terms of the positions, how we use them is is the more the way we think about it. And then it starts becoming like easier to understand. Yeah. We left out a couple of joints there that I think people will kind of be interested in. And we never really talk about the elbow or the knee. Mm. And we know that it's because the elbow is affected by the wrist and the shoulder mm. and the knee is affected by the ankle and the hip. Yes, yes. So like before you dive into the other stuff, what common issues do you see occur like at the knee joint because of hip or ankle and then same for elbow because we get lots of people who or not lots of people but people who say oh my knee's a bit tender and they want to work the knee they're trying to roll the knee wrap the knee mm. whatever but it's never the root cause of the issue is it yeah it's usually it's usually as what's going on up or upstream or downstream of those yeah. two things yeah now i think the knee a lot of it is to do with uh, the motor control side, which we, we probably need to get into as well, yeah. which is how well we control the knee position while we're, while we're moving. Yeah. It's much more of a, a strength control issue. Um, with the elbow, um, it's much more around... Uh, if, if, for instance, you t talk about front rack, if your shoulder's tight and your forearms are tight, making the wrist more tight as well... Yeah. Then in the middle is where like all of the strain ends up just on that extreme, and we can have a sore elbow thinking that we I've got I've got tight forearms I've got tight elbows I've got sore elbows and yeah if we go after the extremities a bit more it'll definitely help the elbow. Um, you will also see if you go back to the knee. Um, people have usually have very tight quads, yeah. and it's not always that obvious where that becomes a problem for people. And it's only, when, again, when you go after, say you go and do a big t tissue session on the quads and then squat afterwards, the difference it makes is, yeah. is ginormous to our squat depth, to our ability to get our knees um, to stop caving in, those sort of things. So the quads, are, um, which is obviously wrapped around the knee, if they get tight, 
they can also compromise yeah. any joint. So let's talk then about some remedies for people. Say someone has a squat and when they squat their knees are constantly caving in and or their foot is breaking like flattening through the arch and their baby toes lifting a little bit and their outside heels lifting a little bit what are the what's the go-to what should they do yeah so i let's let's talk i mentioned motor control so if we talk about this like a mobility issue and we talk about mobility is a word now that's been around for 10 years plus that um and it's almost lost its meaning a little bit yeah uh, if we break it down to what it is, it's two components. It's do we have a range of motion at the joint? Can we express the full range? Say if it was just passive, lying on our back, can somebody move the hip through full flexion, full extension? That's the first part. And that's, we can get mechanical blocks at the joint or the tissues can be tied around it, can stop us getting that full range. The other side is when we actually use that hip flexion in a squat, can we express the movement? Can we express that range of motion? And that's really a strength. We have the muscular strength to pull us into the bottom of a squat mm-hmm. and hold the knees out and the feet flat. Um, and then motor control piece is the bit that's often the issue, which is a strength issue. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, we think about strength as like heavy squats and things like this. It's much more of a positional strength, which means it just needs to be um, put in the right position and the brain switch on those tissues just that it becomes a habit. This is where I'm strong. Yeah. Um, so what do we do we have to clear the obstacle first so we have to make sure that we have the range of motion this is like pre-class doing some work or during class doing like what we would call stretching yeah which is not really stretching but that's type of exercise mm-hmm. and then once we have the range of motion access to it we go there and we ask for a good position which is our brain just switching on the right muscles to strengthen them up yeah um, so with all of our movements, we have those two components. Do I have range of motion first? And then can I express that, get, express that through that strength piece? Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, if, if you're thinking about where, what do I do about my... How, how can I start working on my motor mechanics yeah. so can I, I can start performing better? The first thing to do is to know is that about 80% of all of this will get taken care of in the first half of your class every day. Yeah. This is why... We don't do, um, we don't try and jam the hour full of loads of volume of work. Yeah. Uh, like workouts, I guess what we do is the first half, the work is on our movement mechanics, and then the second half is on the actual uh, training piece. So when we're working, when your coach is asking you to do all of those air squats at the start, getting ready for a squat clean, they're not just doing warm up. They're, they're asking you to express a range of motion and then also to strengthen it. If you just show up and bring your intention to that first half of your class, really listen to the cues and put your effort into that, this is where most of the progress will happen. Yeah. Then you'll get to train that in the workout later on. And that's where we get to get the muscles stronger and the heart rate and all the other things that, that happen. The first half of the class is for your mechanics. Yeah. It's a bit like brushing your teeth in that if we do it every day over time, it really benefits us it's not always the most exciting part of the class. We all know that. There are bits where we're just asked to go through motions yeah. and it feels like, oh, I'm just going through a warm-up or this is for the beginners to learn it. Yeah. But really, it's for everybody to improve their mechanics every day. It's millimeters of progress and it really builds up over time. Yeah. I would say that's your, like, that's your 80% work. Just show up, listen to the coach, 
and bring your intention to it. Then there is the before class and after class stuff, which is the extra 20%, yeah. which is really important as well, if you really want to maximize. Mm. So um, to talk about before class, this is where we start becoming more self-aware around where our own um, mechanics get in our way yeah. once the class starts. So if you know that wrist pain is an issue in thrusters, you know front rack is an issue, you see thrusters on the, on the whiteboard when you come in, you know that if you have 10 minutes where you're chatting to people, chat and mobilize. It's probably the, the place to start. Yeah. So um, there's loads of front rack stuff out there you can get on the internet. If you think about the stuff we do in class, repair your front rack. Yeah. If there's a coach available, just ask, what can I do to start freeing up? And you'll start building a bank of exercises that really free you up yeah. for... Um, so when the class starts, you're already pre-warm in that area, and you've cleared the range of motion obstacle as much as possible. Yeah. Then when the when the class starts, you're working the motor control side right away. Okay, that's, so pre-class, you get to know yourself, and then you start doing those ten minutes beforehand. Mm-hmm. After class is where we start doing banking some long-term progress. Okay, so this is where we start thinking in the long term. I'd like to do some more work on this. That means starting the recovery process as early as possible. Yeah. So if you've just done thrusters, you, you might be tight in the hip, for instance, you might want to go off and do some tissue work right away. So get on a foam roller, get on a ball, and spend 10 minutes just getting the tissue work started. The body will start getting into a recovery state earlier, and the next day when you come back to train, you're more just refreshed and ready to train that body part again. Yeah. Plus, you'll go through a deeper range of motion. Plus, all of those things will start happening much sooner. Mm-hmm. It's the hardest part because we're all like endorphined up, sweaty. Yeah. The dinner's uh, calling us at home. The last just, thing you want to do is land a foam roller for 10 minutes. Yeah. But, but if, you, if you think about um, if you're stiff and tight and you're always running into those issues where a coach is queuing you and you can't respond, it's so worth it because you won't believe the progress. Yeah, that 10 minutes after class is worth like 30 before. Yes. The, the, the pre-class stuff is really so you can get more out of today's class. Yeah. It's preparing you for, uh, to set you up for success in the next hour. The after class stuff is, is really the long-term win. Um, I, I always think, you know, you can picture the person in their 90s and they're crouched over and they're five inches sm- shorter than they used yeah. to be and they don't have much movement that didn't happen because they got old that happened over their whole life that we have just slowly lost mobility in each joint over time and we haven't been deliberate about keeping it this this is also a longevity play it's also saying this is my long term health I want to be the 80 year old who stands tall who can go for the walks up in the hikes in the mountains and that means that's the brushing the teeth idea I need to do it for my whole life little bits every day um, again, not that exciting, but it makes a huge impact. 100%. How important is it, do you think, to differentiate between... So this is something I play with in my head as well. Between actually stretching and doing the, the boring stuff that we've all done since we were kids doing PE or whatever, um, like holding your foot behind your leg to stretch out your quad, versus getting into a, a position that's similar to ones that we'd maybe use day to day or in the gym so 
to use the quad and the hip example again, if I just hold my leg, stand on one leg and pull my foot to my butt and I feel a little stretch in the quad, how useful is that compared to trying to get that same full stretch in the quad in a position like a lunge? Because mm. that's going to transfer then into my squat better because I'm also working that other leg full, through that full range of motion. Yeah, so I would say that Kelly Surratt says stretching is dead. Yeah. You know, so the, um, which, is, which was a really clever way for him to say, let's stop worrying about the tissues, let's start worrying about the joints. Yeah. So um, the joints are where it's at. So if we think about what you're stretching your quad, you're trying to get that, that quad feeling a bit better. Yeah. Um, but what you're really trying to do is get your hip open. You're yeah. trying to get your hip in extension. So if you go after the hip in the right way, the quad will get a stretch along with it. But you're going after what's going to make the big difference, which is can the, can we express the full extension in the joint? Mm-hmm. Um, the, the tissues will warm up and lengthen and shorten the way they need to in your warm-up in the class. I would say the joint is where you should start. So becoming aware of like if you sit most of the day, if you're in a car or at a laptop, likely is your front hip is tight. It's 90% of everybody. So going after hip extension would probably be a good strategy for yeah. most people. A couch stretch, if you don't know what that is, Google it. That that's that feels so quaddy, but really you're going after the ability of the joint to extend. That's something that everyone should really do every day. It's one of my go-tos. If I come in and gonna do a workout, I'll definitely couch stretch yeah. a little bit, which is really we call it couch stretch, but it's hip extension. Yeah. Um, so if you think about the overhead position, if that's tight, I'm going after the shoulder, and that's how well my shoulder blades move around my back, and then the shoulder joint itself can that get into flexion. Yeah. Um, so yeah I will I will go after more joint first more than like stretching the, the muscles savage how do other things affect this so say say someone's been doing their joint stuff like they followed K-Star Mobility Wad they have that GoWad app or RomWad app or something yeah. like this but there's other things like general stress and tension or general stress which can create tension because mm. we see that like some people say oh I feel like I carry stress on my shoulders and like you can literally see it and then when you see a day where they're stressed to the hilt and the shoulders just rise up a little bit and then so, so there's that mind connection which is a big one and then there's little things like you took a class recently and you helped us on our front rack position and you just got us to breathe through it mm. so we're holding the bar for those who weren't there holding the bar in our front rack and you made us take a big breath in and then a big breath out and as we took that breath out we tried to just push the elbows up a little bit mm. and we did like five or six breaths was it yeah. and over the five or six I was able to get my elbows pointing up like that was the way they were going it was insane so how does the breath affect movement mechanics yeah so we have we have our um, our brain can just create neurological tension in muscles yeah. and it's often like like you say it can be stress and tension from the day it can also be to protect the joint yeah. if it feels a bit threatened if the joint doesn't feel if the brain, body doesn't feel 100% confident that joint can move quickly under load it can just create tension and protect it yeah. and sometimes it's an overreaction we're creating more tension than we need and if we're being intentional about position we're fine so we need to try and deal with that by trying to take tensions de- tension levels down yeah. very consciously the breath is the access to that that's how we get access to it 
and having that um, like four second inhale, four second breath hold, eight second exhale, it's a really nice way of doing it. Yeah. So that's four in, four hold, eight second exhale in positions. And every time you're doing your exhale, you're trying to improve position. Mm -hmm. It's a great way of just trying to see can we get rid of tension that doesn't need to be there and it's just there by default. Yeah. Um, things like um, usual stuff around mindfulness and all that can all help. Um, what I'd suggest though is to be wary. If we're doing a lot of, say if you foam roll for 15 minutes before class yeah. and you're doing breath work, our system goes into almost a recovery state. And by the time the class starts, we can feel more like going to bed <laughs> or going for a nap than going training. Yeah. So like our timing of this stuff is really important. I would say that stuff is really, really useful after. Okay. Like afterwards, two minute doses on each muscle group, loads of breathing work, and trying to get everything to ramp back down as much as possible mm -hmm. is the goal. Before training, we're trying to actually ramp up. And sometimes tension is a help in training. It's not always bad. Like we're trying to create tension with our muscles. So um, we don't want to put ourselves into that state where we're going to get sleepy and getting recovery yet. So um, I would say small doses pre-training isn't much better. Like 30 to 40 seconds if you were going to get on a ball or something. Lots of movement on it, not just rolling up and down. Yeah. And once you've done some rolling on a joint, then you get up and move it and try and get the muscles Positions. to fire so that you're waking the system up, you're ramping it up to activity, you're not cooling it back down, yeah. essentially. So again, pre-class, 30 to 40 second doses on tissues, followed by lots of movement. Post-class, two to three minutes minimum to make tissue change. Yeah. And then you could do some light position holes just to solidify and own those positions. Breathe slowly through them. Yeah, I mean, they say you don't own the position until you can breathe in it. Yeah. So if you go bottom of a squat and you can breathe freely, holding great position, that's a pretty good sign. Yeah. The breath, I had, um, Brian McKenzie released an app like two or three years ago, mm. a breathing one, and he had a pre-workout one as well, and it was just to ramp you up. So it was literally lie down on the floor, and it was progressively shorter and faster inhale and exhales and you did two or three cycles of it where it started quite slow and then it got faster 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 started slow faster 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 and by the end of it I felt like I'd had a 20 minute nap so the breath can work in that so you well. felt energised and refreshed exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. ready to go like mm -hmm. say I'd done 8 hours of work and I was going to the gym tired already ready for bed but like oh I'm going to go but I need to do my phone rolling I did that, then I did the breath work, and it amped me up. And it took like two and a half, three minutes, tops, Class. and I was ready to go. Brian McKenzie's a bloody genius. That guy goes so deep. Where did he go? Well, he went into the breath work, and he's, he's done so much research on it. And Yeah, he's brilliant on it. I follow him, and um, the content he puts out is so bloody deep, man. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It, it's scary. It's scary. It's so, scary. Yeah, he's big on his nasal breathing as well. And yeah. uh, I've been trying to do some of that in the last year with, you know, if I go... If I go doing any short running, it's always short. Yeah. If I'm doing it, kind of, it's so bloody difficult to adapt to. But when you read his research on it, it's amazing what yeah. the, the effects it can have. Yeah. I've done a lot on breathing over the past two years as well. And um, I find the easiest place to make a change is at home with that stuff. So Jill will tell you, for a while I was wearing nose strips to bed. Oh, yeah. 
highly unattractive. Mm. Wouldn't recommend if you're new in a relationship. But <laughs> if you're with someone who already ha- knows all your quirks and whatever, anyway, you can get them in Tesco or you can order them on Amazon. And it was no strips. And it was just to encourage me to keep my mouth closed as I slept and to breathe through my nose nasally, as you said. And I find, one, my sleep got better. Two, my recovery got better. I was wearing one of those whoop yokes at the time. And I was just getting better recovery consistently. And then I was actually able to, like you were saying earlier, access positions just a little bit easier. Mm. So I have pretty good movement and pretty decent technique whenever it comes to stuff as well. But in there was maybe a six-month period where it went from above average to really good. And the only real thing I changed was I started breathing shit. And it was like, that stuff in bed, the box breathing before bed as well, and then other breathing things through the workout. And the difference that made was... It's a game changer. It's an absolute game changer. And, you know, we see it here uh, with all of our people when they start figuring out the breathing, the rhythms of some of the movements, and where to put our exhales and how to even out our breaths. Like, just work far longer without having to take a break it's, it's a it's a game changer yeah. Sharon McGee was in with me this morning mm. just for 25 minutes before class she's like where do I breathe on pull ups and we did it she was like oh my god <laughs> yeah. why has no one told me this before? yeah 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 and she just did like she was only doing sets of two or three but she was doing two or three to begin with and coming down and breathing heavy because she just held her breath for three reps yeah. and then it was like right let's pop this in here and that's something you've been working with us a lot with recently is yeah. the breathing through the, the, the unconscious breath holes are killer are, they're just a killer and we just don't realise how much we do it yeah. and it can be even half a breath hole it's just not letting the air flow it, ju- it just stops us in our tracks so yeah. quick it just uh, our bodies our bodies need to, f- to get that ventilation mm-hmm. uh, to, to keep working savage yeah what else we got in your notebook there? so the, I, I would say that um, to, to wrap it up um for the takeaway message here is um, to start thinking about making conscious changes to your joints and I would say that there is so many resources out there that you can follow like like you say GoWatt I think GoWatt is a pretty good one because it's just so usable it's a bit of a blunt instrument and that's like here's positions go and hold them they do an assessment beforehand though don't they the the test retest element is brilliant on it um Yes, it is good. Um, it's a bit like just doing yoga poses, essentially, but a bit more applied to what we use. Yeah. But what I like about it is people adhere to it, and that's the the, note, like the consistency beats yeah. everything, right? So it's brilliant for that point of view. So if you're struggling with just a simple solution, get GoWad, pay the monthly thing, and it'll change. Yeah. It'll change your body. Um, there, are, there are deeper resources, like the, the Ready State is a brilliant one if you're willing to sit and listen to the rationale behind things and yeah. learn more and more uh, solutions to problems you can re- really get targeted with that you get educated on it um, but really our job in our classes is, is to over time give you a bank of exercises that you can use for yourself so if every time you see us um, doing an exercise to prepare for a movement it's like just check as you're doing it what what change has this made and it's always the question is the same same better or worse mm-hmm. am I the same after it has it gotten better or is it worse yeah if it's gotten better, you know you added to your bank of stuff that you should start using for yourself. Things run out of their usefulness after a while as well if you're using the same thing. Yeah. So watch that, that you might need to be refreshing the exercise you're using. 
but generally speaking um, like if you go after the joints and you go after the positions we use regularly um, it will make a profound change to how well you perform yeah. and then also it's doing that second job of looking after our longevity and making us age in a far more graceful way yeah. and a far more functional way yeah deadly I think just on that I think the Kelly Starrett's old school videos where he was in the parking lot in San Francisco and he recorded it on like mm. a second generation iPhone mm. and put it straight onto YouTube the information there is still applicable today and those videos are like 9-10 years old because I've watched some of them recently and used them outside of class and seen it work yeah so I think if the goal is always to create a, a level of autonomy so if you as a as a gym goer want just that extra level of autonomy I think reach out to a coach one two if you just have 20 minutes at home watch a video and play along and it's yeah. a really, really yeah those videos were designed as a play along video yeah. like he would explain it as he's doing it so yeah. as you're in the stretch with him he's telling you what's going on you're starting to learn a bit a bit more about your body and it's not so just like um, like hold his position and then dead silence for 10 minutes you know <laughs> yeah. this stuff is what makes it boring he makes it interesting because he's always educating you as you go uh, he did like a video a day for like three a years year, or something, yeah, something. It, was, three years, was it? it was insane he's a freak yeah. he's done like over a thousand videos Amazing. they're all free they're all like 10 minutes or less and you just follow along you just need like a ball foam roller a band yeah. something like that and you usually can join in on them yeah um, yeah I would say, like, I would, to, just to re-emphasize, when we're thinking about performance, we can always start thinking about muscular effort, yeah. breathing hard, sweating, exertion, 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 whereas um, that will always be limited by how well our body can move through the techniques, how well you can respond yeah. to a coach asking to do something better. And um, I'm always at pains, like, it's one of those hard cells, essentially, because we all, always, we all like to sweat and stuff. Yeah. You know how good we feel after it. Um, but it's not always where the solution is. Yeah. There's days and times to pick that, isn't there? Oh yeah, it's oh that's a look. That's a vital component too. We also yeah. know that, and um, that's why we do it. But um, it's not. It's just intuitively that's when something feels really hard. We intuitively think that's the thing that's most important. Yeah. But it, but like dumb exertion, dumb effort, really dumb. has. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it has really limited. It's like sticking. You know, it's like developing a thousand horsepower engine and sticking it on a ladder, Eva. Like it's not going to end well, and what from a training point of view, we can tend to just try and build more and more horsepower, more and more engine, whereas the chassis and the suspension and the tires are the are the bit really that's going to help yeah. us a lot more. They keep the wheels on, right? Absolutely, it keeps on track. Thanks, Jamie. Cheers, man. Thanks for tuning in this week crew if you do need help with anything that is mentioned on the podcast this week if it was confusing or you'd like a little bit of clarity please reach out to one of the coaches and we will be happy to help guide you on your way as always team if you haven't liked and subscribed and follow us on your chosen podcast platform please do so now and if you find this helpful please share it on social media and with a friend as well catch you next week